Jesus Christ was an earth-altering event. And there's a lot of obvious things we could say about it, but even the little things, you know, sometimes we don't even consider it. We're so inundated with it that it loses its luster in our attention. But simple things like time, like every calendar in the world changed when Jesus was born. You know, you had the B.C. Uh, before Christ, and then you have the A.D. And, uh, <laughs> I got so tickled, somebody Somebody was talking about B.C. and A.D., and they said, yeah, it means before Christ and then after death. And I said, no, because then you'd have a 33-and-a-half-year gap in the calendar. B.C., before Christ, what Katie thought. (laughs) B.C., before Christ, and then A.D. is the, it's the abbreviation for the Latin word Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. So all the time before his birth, it's before Christ, B.C., and then from the time he was born, we are currently living in the 2020th year of our Lord. It's amazing. Go to Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18, birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, listen to what he says now, Joseph, son of David. All right, say that with me. Joseph. Son of David, or descendant of David, of the household of David. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary to be your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, everybody's pretty much read that in Matthew, but what they're referencing there in verse 23, that this was all, 22 and 23, that this was all done to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet You got to go back to our original text, Isaiah 7, to read that. Now, it's amazing. The Assyrians surround Judah, and they tell the king, who is of the lineage and descendant of David, they said, we're going to kill all the people in Judah. We're going to destroy Judah and take it over as our property. And we're going to kill you and your entire family. There won't be a living descendant to carry your bloodline unless you surrender to us. That's what they told Ahaz. Everybody with me? So Isaiah comes to Ahaz and said, look, I know you're surrounded. I know they've threatened to kill you and all of your family and wipe David's lineage off the face of the earth. And I know they've threatened to totally destroy and annihilate Judah. But the word of the Lord to you is, is that God is going to defend you. And Isaiah said, this attack will come to nothing. Now, Ahaz is not a godly man. He didn't ask Isaiah for a word, you know. Ahaz had already sent messengers in secret and made a deal with the Assyrians. He was so fearful about the threat that was surrounding them. He sends messengers and he says, listen, I'll sell you all of the people of my kingdom to be your slaves if you'll just spare me and my family. So when Isaiah comes to give him the word, hey, don't worry about this. God has you covered. Ahaz really, he's not even interested in the word because he's already made a deal to save himself by selling out his people. And so Isaiah is giving him this word, and he he notices that he's not really responding. And so Isaiah said, what I'm telling you is true, man. Ask for a sign. 
you, you know, I, Isaiah was, uh, was known for signs. You know, you remember when God uh, stopped the sun in the, in the middle of the day, uh, you know, and, and made the, the sundial go back 15 degrees. Uh, he said, you know, I'll give you a sign. You remember when Gideon asked God for a sign? You know, he laid out uh, a piece of fabric in the, in the morning, and he said, if the, if the ground is wet but the fabric's dry, I'll know that's a sign. So God did it, and then it wasn't good enough for him. So he said, I tell you what, this time let the fabric be wet and the ground dry, and, and God did it. God gives signs. And so Isaiah said, look, man, you don't believe me. Ask for a sign. Just you make up what you want God to do to prove that he's, he's given you a word. And Ahaz feigns, fakes humility. Oh, no, I would, I would never trouble God to give me a sign. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't test the Lord that way. And Isaiah gets frustrated, says, all right, the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is the sign that you're not going to be destroyed by this threat. This is the sign that you're going to be, a, okay, a virgin's going to give birth to a baby, and the baby's going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. Now, that prophecy wouldn't come to pass for 740 years. What good is it to give me a sign I'm being threatened today. Like the enemy's right over there. Got the whole kingdom surrounded. People are starving. You know, they, they're going to they kill me like tomorrow. And I appreciate the sign, but why would God give a sign that he knew wouldn't come to pass for 740 years to people who were being threatened today? Well, it's what Isaiah said. It's kind of hidden in the scripture. Isaiah is saying, the Messiah is coming. God's Savior is coming. And he has to come through the tribe of Judah and from the house of David. In other words... What's being threatened right now is the tribe of Judah and the house of David. But I'm telling you that it's the purpose of God for the Messiah to come. So here's when you can get nervous that God may be through with you, Ahaz. When you see a virgin give birth to a baby and they call his name Emmanuel, that's when you'll know that God is no longer dealing with the protection of Judah or the house of David. In other words, the Messiah is coming, but he hadn't come yet. And if he hadn't come yet, God can't let you be destroyed because the Messiah is coming through Judah. So the Assyrians can't annihilate Judah and the Messiah is coming through the house of David. So Ahaz, even though you're a wicked and a miserable man, I made a promise to a dead man that I would preserve his family and bring the Messiah through him. And because of that, Ahaz, not even you can mess this up. It's amazing. The purpose of God preserved evil men to get his ultimate will accomplished. Point number one. If you have it ready upstairs, point number one. Christ's purpose is so powerful. If you align with it, nothing can kill you before your time. Christ's purpose is so powerful. If you align with it, nothing can kill you before your time. Ahaz, this threat against you can't work because your life and God's purpose happens to be intertwined. Your life and God's purpose happens to be intertwined. If you are a believer, your life and God's purpose happen to be intertwined. And if your life is intertwined with the purpose of God, 
What does Paul say, Romans 8, 28? We know that all things work together for the good of them that love God, that are the called according to his purpose. If you are called according to his purpose, the disease cannot kill you. If you are called according to his purpose, the car wreck cannot kill you. If you are called according to his purpose, the virus cannot kill you. If you are called according to his purpose. Listen, I don't know what's threatening you today, but I feel in my spirit I got some people listening to me that are living up under some threats. God said this threat will come to nothing because I am not through with you yet. I still got a purpose for your life. I still got something that I'm working together for your good. And by the end of this thing, you're going to look back at the trouble that's threatening you now and you're going to laugh till you cry thinking about how good God was to bring you out of it. It is is going to work for your good because Christ's purpose is so powerful that if you align with it, nothing can kill you before your time. Point number two, God became human. Sounds very simple as we go through it. I hope you, you gain a little bit more of the awareness of how important that, that statement is. God became human. This is the most crucial element, the most crucial element of our theology. What, what's theology anyway? Well, ology is the study of. You know, like biology or sociology. You see ology, it's the study of. And then theos, where we get the word theo for theology, is God. So theology is the study of God. And if you're going to study God, you will find this one point is at the pinnacle. No single doctrinal fact is more important. God became human. This is why Christmas changes everything. Now, today in our world, there's, by secular people, there is an attack on the deity of Jesus Christ. Uh, people will say things like, well, you know, he was a great prophet, you know, and he was a great teacher, a great role model, taught really great things, you know, like love your neighbor and do unto others. But, but no, he wasn't God. You, you must be on your guard against those kind of people. Did you hear me? You must be on your guard against those kind of people. Uh, Bill Maher said something very ignorant, and he, he, he esteems himself to be a very intelligent person, but he said something very, very ignorant. He, he was saying, uh, his point was to bash Christians, saying that they're nothing like their, their founder, they're nothing like their savior. And, um, but, but he said, you know, Jesus was a great teacher, a great mentor, and a great role model. And, you know, if Christians actually lived the way he taught, the world would be a better place. And I don't believe he was God, but he was a great teacher. He had some really great things to say, and people ought to live like the way he taught. And you can't say that. And, and the reason you cannot say that is, it's one of two things. Jesus was either a lunatic and a madman that all of his teaching should be burned and never followed or he was God in the flesh. Okay. You, you, can't, you can't reduce Jesus down and say, well, I don't think he's God, but he was a great teacher. What great world teacher and philosopher do you know that stood up in front of a crowd of people and said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. That's not a good philosopher. What other great, you know, world leader or world philosopher looked at his people and says, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Jesus said some staggering things. He's not some peace-loving, hand-folding, walking-around teacher and philosopher. The things he said were mad, crazy. Unless he was God. So 
Jesus made the kind of sermons and he made the kind of claims that you, you can only do one of two things. You either reject him and walk away from him or you bow down and you worship him. But there is no room in the middle for this. You know, he was a good teacher mess. Be on your guard against those kind of people. Be on your guard against those kind of people. And uh, we see this. This isn't just new now. It, it was happening back then. Go to Matthew chapter three or Matthew chapter 16, rather. And look at verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Everybody say son of man. Amen. Now, we're in, this, we're in this second point now. Remember, stay with me. We're in this second point. I know it's a sleepy Sunday, and some of you didn't have your coffee and cocoa mixed together and, and all that kind of stuff, but I want you to stay with me and get this. God became human. Okay? Say it with me. God became human. Meaning, you got in one person, you got something that is fully man and fully God at the same time. All right. Now, look, look for this in the text. He said, who do men say that I, notice what he calls himself, the son of man am? Verse 14, they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Who do you say that I am? Verse 15, Simon Peter, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Notice in those three verses, you've got son of man and son of in the same group of verses, son of man, son of God. Now, the question Jesus asked his disciples is the most important question any of us will ever answer. Who do you say Jesus is? Do you say he's a great man or a great teacher or a great philosopher? Or do you say and confess that he is God? How do we know he was God? Well, we know he was God because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's called miraculous conception. Uh, go back to Matthew 1, verse 18. It says, uh, birth of Jesus Christ as follows, after his mother was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, or before they were intimate, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Then Matthew 20, if you'll look at it, it says, while Joseph thought about these things, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Now, very important. Seems obvious, but it's very important you know this. The egg was from the woman, but the seed was not from a man. Okay, y'all are looking at me strange. I'm going to say it again. The egg was from a woman. But the seed was not from a man. Why is that important? Well, 10 times in the Old Testament, before Jesus came and died on the cross and shed his blood to break the curse, 10 times in the Old Testament, the scripture said that the sins of the father shall be visited upon their children to the fourth generation. Okay? So the scripture raises this principle that iniquity passes through seed. Okay. It never says over 10 times. It says this. It never says the sins of the mother visit the children to the fourth generation says the sins of the father. Now, ladies, don't sit there and fold your arms and say, I told you so. I knew everything crazy about those kids came from their dad. I mean, you do have biblical proof now, but, but don't stomp us with it. The point is, Iniquity passes through the seed. From the first time mankind sinned in the garden, iniquity passes to the next generation through the seed. That's why we are born in sin. That's why we're shaped in iniquity, is it passes through the seed. So the egg was Mary's, but the seed came from the Holy Spirit, meaning he could literally be born in the flesh 
and yet still be God at the same time. Jesus is amazing. Fully man, fully God, God became human. That's what separates Christianity from all the other faiths in the world. Do you know this? Do you know that Christianity is the only, you know, largely recognized faith uh, that its founder claims to be God? No other religion, no other faith has a founder that claims himself to be God, except Christianity. And, and he, was, he was born, God was born of incorruptible seed. Go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, what Peter's doing is he is linking the birth of Jesus to our born again experience. And he said, it's the same seed. Now, how it worked for Jesus is it was supernatural seed that became natural and the Holy Spirit carried it into Mary's womb. How it works for us is it supernatural seed that becomes spiritual. When we get born again, the spirit part of us that is born again and made alive is born again by incorruptible seed. In other words, the same seed that was in Jesus, that same seed is translated spiritually, and that seed is in you if you have been born again. Okay. Oh, hallelujah. What does that mean? Well, Paul said in Ephesians that your spirit, the spirit part of you, has been sealed. Why has the spirit part of you been sealed? Because it was born of incorruptible seed. Not only was it incorruptible in its origin, in its source, but it also remains incorruptible because the power of God is in it. That's why you don't have to worry as a believer about your spirit getting polluted or your spirit getting poisoned or the enemy coming and attacking your spirit. If you have been born again of God, you've been born again of incorruptible seed and your spirit is sealed. You may fail in your flesh. You may fail in your mind and your will and your emotions, but as much as you fall, you can get back up again because your spirit has been sealed. That's why some of you have known what it's like to walk away from God and try to backslide for a season, but no matter how much you get away, something keeps pulling you back. It's because you can't sin enough to break the seal. You can't resist enough to break the seal. If you really belong to God, that thing that's inside you is sealed. It'll wake you up at three o'clock in the morning praying in tongues. It'll wake you up with a burden on your heart. It'll cause a prophetic word to burst out of you at the most inopportune times. You'll be trying to meet somebody at the bar and the word of God will start rolling around in your spirit because your spirit has been sealed because you were born again of incorruptible. What's incorruptible being can't be corrupted. Incorruptible seed. As it was with Jesus, so it is with you. Slap somebody and say incorruptible seed. Now, now it's amazing. It's amazing to me. God had to, God had to do all this, you know, had to set up all this stuff, this incorruptible seed and, and preserving the house of David and the tribe of Judah. I mean, it's just 740 years before Jesus came, God was already setting up the plan for the birth of Jesus Christ. And he, he did all of that, you know, and I, I was thinking about it. He did all of that. And he, he didn't have to. He, he didn't have to, but, but he did it himself. You know, he didn't send a messenger to save us. He came down and saved us himself. He didn't send someone to do the dirty work. God became human and went and did it himself. I, I was listening to a judge, he was talking about his friend. Um, they grew up and they grew up together and, and uh, you know, really, really close, really good friends. 
And the judge's friend got into some kind of trouble and had a bunch of fines, and he didn't want to pay the fines, and they, they were pretty hefty. It was like $3,000 worth of fines. And he went to his friend, the judge, and he says, hey, can you take care of this for me? You're a judge. Can you take care of it for me? And his friend said, the judge, he said, sure, I'll take care of it. So, you know, a couple months go by. The friend goes over to see the judge. He says, man, thank you so much for taking care of that. He said, uh, nothing's on my record. Everything's straightened out. You know, I got all the papers that verify. He says, how did you do that? You know, what kind of cool, you know, judgy trick did you use to, to get all that taken care of? And the judge said, I paid for it. He said, what? I didn't want you. I didn't expect you to pay for it. I thought you were just going to you know, do the judge thing. You know, just... He said, I wouldn't be a good judge. He said, you broke the law. And justice demanded that a fine, a penalty be paid. But because I love you and you're my friend, I paid it. And that's what Jesus did for us. Justice demanded that a penalty be paid. So God became a human, went to the cross, and paid the penalty himself in his own body so that you and I might be forgiven, released, redeemed of the charges. God became a human. And um, why, you know, I harped on it uh, two weeks ago and then a little last week. I'm harping on it again today because it just struck me studying for this. It just struck me how important it is not only that you know that Jesus became a human, Jesus became flesh. It's actually important for you to make that confession verbally. Jesus became flesh. It's, it's very important. Go to, let, let's set it up. Go to uh, John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14, and the Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. That's so powerful. And dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten, the only begotten, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, let's go to John's other book. Go to 1 John. 4 verses 2 and 3. Now listen to this. I'm going to wait on them because it's powerful. Okay, watch. watch. Read, these, read these screens. Watch this. By this. In other words, this is the way you know. By this, you know the Spirit of God. If you're talking with someone and, and they're saying some things and you want to test or try the spirits and find out, is this the Spirit of God or not? By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. You can't be uh, full of a demon spirit and confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Hallelujah. Verse, verse 3, and every spirit that does not confess. I'm going to read it again. Somebody got so excited they started playing a tambourine. And every spirit, are you reading this Bible? Every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. Now go to 2 John, because he ain't done with it. 2 John chapter 1, verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world who do not confess Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things that we worked for, but that we may receive a full 
reward. Mm. Mm. In John's day, there were false doctrines going about that Jesus was a supernatural being that simply manifested himself in bodily form to look like a person, you know, kind of like an angel. You've heard people testify about seeing angels and they looked like people, you know, but angels don't have flesh and blood, you know. There was an erroneous doctrine in John's day that Jesus was supernatural and he just manifested to look like a human, but he didn't actually have flesh and blood. John says, no, that's the spirit of Antichrist. Because he had to have flesh and blood in order to have a life that he could lay down and pay for my sins. You understand what I'm saying? He had to have flesh and blood. So then, let me see. Yes, there's, there's two systematic attacks on Christianity dealing with the nature and fabric of the makeup of God. It's, it's usually only one of these two things. Either people don't believe that Jesus was God, or they don't believe that God was human. Those are the two common attacks. that He wasn't really God, or he wasn't really man. But John says over and over again, these are lies. The doctrine of the incarnation of Christ includes these truths. He was born fully God, fully man. In fact, you can read these with me. He was born fully God, fully man. This is powerful when you say it. John said, when you confess it, you know God's in the room. He was born fully God, fully man. He was tempted in the flesh as we are, yet without sin. He suffered, bled, and died on the cross, and he bodily rose from the dead with all power. That's our God. Stand up and give him a praise in the house if you love him. Amen. Amen. Now, what we're going to do over the next couple of minutes is I'm going to pray for some people. There are people in this room, I felt when I was praying and preparing this message, you've been up under some kind of threat, uh, just like we talked about earlier in, uh, in, in the message. Um, and the Lord, just like Isaiah was given a word to go and tell the king, the Lord has given me a word for those of you that are threatened, and the word is this, this attack will come to nothing. Okay. If you're being threatened... Legal trouble, health trouble, you know, whatever the disturbance is in your life, if you're being threatened, this attack will come to nothing, to nothing. Second thing I want to tell you, believing in these core doctrinal truths, you know, sometimes it's rough teaching doctrine, you know, because people, they kind of start to slip into this mode like they're in class. But it's important that you know it because believe it or not, in this season, these truths will be tested. You know, I don't know how they're going to present themselves to you, but these truths and what you believe and what you say about Jesus. You know, he asked his disciples, who do men say? You know, every single one of us will come to a, a point, an intersection where we have to say something about Jesus. That's why what we did last week is so powerful when we read Romans chapter 10, where Paul said, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've not made Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and savior by a confession of faith and inward belief, you can do that today. It is as simple. Paul made it ridiculously simple. It is as simple as saying, Jesus, I believe that you are who the gospel says you are. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again from the dead. And today, I confess you, Lord Jesus, as my Lord. Paul said, you say that out of your mouth, you believe that in your heart, you're saved. That God starts a process with you that he'll never stop. I said that God starts a process with you that he will never stop. 
I said God starts a process with you that he will never, never stop. And then the third thing, the third thing is that there is safety, safety, preservation inside the purpose of God, that God doesn't save and reach out to anything that he doesn't have a purpose for. And God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for your life. So if you need prayer for anything, if you need prayer for anything, come down. We're going to pray with you. If you need prayer for anything, come down. They're going to sing one more song while they're singing. We're going to pray.
you are God with us the living truth <laughs> God with us the living truth and what a friend we have in you you are the living word Jesus Jesus that's what we call Jesus, oh, 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 you are the living word. Bread of heaven, say, bread of heaven. If you know it, sing with us. Sent down from glory. Many things you were on earth. A holy king, a carpenter. Awesome ruler, awesome ruler, gentle redeemer, God with us, yes, God with us, living truth and what a friend we have in you, Jesus, 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 Sing with me. That's what we call you. 
to pray the Lord your God. Enlighten the eyes of your understanding that you may know all he is to you. That you may know the hope of his calling. That you may know the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe in Jesus in who Jesus is for the affliction coming against you I speak the strength and grace of Jesus for the sickness in your body I speak the healing power of Jesus for your financial needs I speak the prosperity of Jesus may the grace of God in the face of Jesus shine on you may it shine on your family may it shine on your children may the grace of God lead you and guide you into truth may the grace of God cause you to encounter the Holy Spirit in ways that you have not yet in this season in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus that is the seal of completion for the New Testament church in the name of Jesus that is the seal that is what's painted over the doorpost and lintel of your heart that allows heaven to know that this one has been factored in to the saved and the blessed and the delivered in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, be blessed, in the name of Jesus, be healed, in the name of Jesus, be strengthened, in the name of Jesus, anxiety be broken, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, every stronghold trying to hold a person in this room be broken in the name of Jesus. All demonic activity, all association with witchcraft be broken in the name of Jesus. The stronghold of drug addiction or any kind of addiction that's holding you be broken in the name of Jesus. self-hate and speaking negative words to yourself about yourself be broken in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus God thought you were saving you must be worth something God thought you were worth saving you must be worth something amen 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 Glory to God. Glory to God. Some of you are, uh, some of you feeling something you don't know what you feel. You hadn't been, you know, real churched or reli- religified, you know, but what you feel is the Holy Spirit and the anointing that comes when Jesus is glorified. When Jesus is preached, the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes to minister to minister to you on the inside to start taking broken things and putting them back together that's what God's doing that's what some of you feel going on in your heart that's the anointing of the Holy Spirit and we speak that that grace of God that's touching some of you right now that it would go home with you it would continue to minister to you today and that it would strengthen you in Jesus' name. Give him one more praise all over the house. God bless you. At this time, I'd like to offer you the opportunity to bring a special offering to God during this season. You know, I believe that 
when the world puts so much pressure on us in society for what we're supposed to do and how our house is supposed to look and be decorated, how many presents we're supposed to buy and what kind of things we're supposed to buy and, and all of this and that. I think it is so beautiful to strip all of that away and go right to the heart of this season and what it's about. And before we honor anyone else, that we honor the reason why we're celebrating anything at all. We honor Jesus in this time. And so I wanna, I wanna encourage you. You know, you can, you can give as the Lord leads you today. I, I wanna ask 40 people, there's 40 of you here, that you have a need in your life and in the kingdom of God, when you have a specific need, that's the time you need to be challenged to sow. And, uh, one of the wonderful companies that we work with in all the food that we give away, they were making a delivery and they accidentally backed into one of our doors next door in the gymnasium facility. And we've got to repair that door. We didn't want to put it on the insurance because you know the insurance charges so much anyway. If you make one little claim for $5, they want to take your policy through the roof. And so we're going to be taking care of that. And so. When the house of God has a need, you have an opportunity. And we're going to buy these, these doors to replace the ones that were damaged. And if you want to sow, um, I think if we had 40 people give a $70 offering, take care of it. And if you want to be a part of that, if you want to, if you want to restore the door, I'm going to be praying and asking God, to restore the door in your life that you need. To provide a door for you because you're providing a door for his house. And so I don't know what you need, but there's 40 of you that have a need. And this is a prophetic challenge for you to sow. Get a $70 seat or, you know, close as you can to it if you're one of those 40. And I believe God's going to bless you and rain on that seed in this season and open up a door for you because of what you did for him. You're watching me online. You can participate in this offering. You can give on your phone if you want to stay in your seat or you can get an envelope. And you can come up here. But whatever you're giving, whether you're one of the 40 or not, get, get something to honor the Lord with. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Jesus, the son. God and man. Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you for your blessing, your favor, and your strength on us, Lord. And as we give to honor you, let your prosperity and your strength overtake your people. In the name of Jesus. God bless you. We love you so much. Enjoy this week with your, with your faith strong, knowing that God is moving on your behalf. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We will see you Wednesday night.